Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Ancient Ways for Modern Days, where we talk about biblical truths and apply them to the modern day life. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the hosts. And with me today is Mike Freeman, pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship. That's right. I'm I am also a pastor at Valley Christian That's right. Fellowship. I don't know. If- Give a little context for actually who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Mike, today is post Super Bowl Sunday. How how was your Super Bowl? Man, we had a great time. Yeah. A full house of people and uh Ate a lot of food and watched some football. <laughs> you watched some football. That's that's pretty good. I uh, I was at your house hanging out, eating eating the food, and eventually I found a Nerf gun and I was just downstairs shooting kids. Apparently, I made someone cry. I didn't know that. Nice. So, but hey, you know what? That's just what I do around here. So, did you bring like your modded Nerf gun that stings a little bit or something? No, that- I didn't. I walked downstairs and uh, there were kids just playing, and I just found a random Nerf gun at your house. And I just started shooting people and there was a little girl that laughed when I shot her and then apparently told her mom that we were shooting her when she'd asked us to stop. Okay. And so your your wife came down to investigate. Okay. And she was telling me what was going on. I'm like, what? That was me. But she was laughing. So Okay. I think I saw that little girl crying okay. crying to her mom and yeah. rubbing her arm and uh yeah. So I thought that was funny. You're a terrible person, Andrew. I guess I am. You- Just for the record, I do work with the children here at our church. So I mean take that as you will. So <laughs> but yeah, so yesterday was a Super Bowl. That was fun. Just hanging out. I hope everyone who had listened had a uh, a good Sunday, whether you watched it or not. I uh I, I watched like I don't three minutes of it. Is that all? Really? Because I I was there. I was hanging out with everyone. I was just having good conversations with people. And then I remembered all the things I had to do to get ready for just even this week. And so right around halftime, I was like, peace out. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it was even halftime. I think it was like a minute into the second quarter. Really? Yeah, maybe. And I was just like, I got to go, guys. So I'm just impressed that you know that there are four quarters in the, the game of football. That's encouraging to me. You're, yeah, man. That's you're I, learning I base things. it off the metric system. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or not the metric system. The... Whatever, because quarters, you know, so. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, so it'd be weird if they're like eight quarters. So like the uh, the, the second half of the game was pretty fun. Uh, I was I was rooting for the Chiefs, mostly because, you know, as a Seahawks fan, we we are loyal to our Seahawks, yeah. and uh, which means we generally don't like the 49ers. And so I. What is the history between the Seahawks and 49ers? They're just Why? in the same division. Oh, okay. And there's in the last, you know, few years, there's been some really big games between them. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, one of the Seahawks players, Richard Sherman, now he plays for them. And so there's a little bit of like, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say friendly rivalry because I think it's not so friendly. I think it, there's some enmity there. But, uh, but you know, Northwest folks love to hate the Niners. I, and I'll, that's kind of how it works. i note of that. So it's funny. This morning you shared with me that thing about Richard Sherman. And last night someone was trying to tell me about that. And I kept in my mind explaining to them the career the, the the career path of Richard Sherman, but actually I was talking about Sean Alexander. And I to that person I sounded amazing. It's like, wow, you know so much about football. But this morning after you told me that I had the two mixed up, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Stay in your lane, bro. I should. <laughs> People were just asking me about things. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that guy who was talking about the, CrossFit or I, Yeah. But no one ever wants to talk about the games around here, but that's fine. No. So, anyway, Mike, 
there's a lot happening here uh, locally within our own church. I know we have a lot of local mem- uh, listeners. Uh, coming up this weekend, there's something pretty cool happening. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just share what's going on? Yeah, we're just doing a, a a membership lunch. I think we've talked about it a handful of times. We, yeah. we do a membership do lunch. Every quarter we do this? Or yeah, right about there. Like yep. Yeah. Uh, that's what our plan is. That way we have enough people that are, you know, are new, want to check things out, want to maybe join, talk about who we are as a church this weekend. We just announced some people from our last group and and uh, pretty excited about that. Um, yeah. Actually, if you didn't know, we kind of have a uh, trajectory of, of I guess, walking people into Valley. If you're a guest, we'd love to connect with you. A second time guest, you know, a first time guest, we, we give you like a, a mug and some candy and say we say hello. And then if you become a regular attender, we invite you to a welcome lunch. Right, where you can get meet the staff and get to, get to know people and the leadership a little bit better, and from there we invite you. If you decide this is this is going to be the church you call home, we have a new members workshop where we uh, the the idea is to be upfront about everything that we are, um, just theologically, leadership structure, just all that stuff, so that you know when we talk about our mission and vision, if you're like, man, this is my church, you know exactly who we are and what we're about. And so I guess I'm sharing this, like if you're listening and uh, you have friends who are visiting the church, that's, you can always encourage them to come to a, a, a welcome lunch or a new member's workshop. I think, I, I think it'd be completely appropriate if you had a friend visiting and you wanted to invite them to a, a, a lunch and you attended as well. That'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a tool on, for I'm, you to use. The, I'm pretty excited about this one because yeah. we have one of our, uh, our growing leaders who's going to help teach the 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 lunch content oh, this, this yeah. time around. Okay. So our worship director, Stephen Klukas, who is, uh, man, he's growing so much. He's um, he's excited about the Lord. He's excited about the scripture. He's yeah. excited about the, the work of the ministry. And uh, we're going to give him some sections and have him help. Usually you and I teach it. Yeah. And he's going to join that crew and be part of that this weekend. Oh, so, so is it all three of us or is it the two of you? Because I'll be around. So uh, my plan was you'd be there. Yeah, I, I will be there. Let's work out our details uh, maybe oh, off this. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll all teach parts of it. That, I just, that's the idea. I just think that sometimes people like to know how the sausage is made. And so yeah. we just start having these meetings on air. <laughs> so, so yeah, we also, with new members coming up, we celebrated just this last weekend that we had several families join the church, right? We had um, we had a new members workshop earlier. Yep. And then the, 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 the following process after a new members workshop is we give them time to kind of sit on it. Right to kind of think through everything that's presented, and then we double we circle back and connect with each family. Yep, they goes. turn in an application, mm-hmm. and then there's a, a pastoral or an elder interview, and uh, just sit down and just you know we want to make sure they they understand who we are. We really want to make sure they understand the gospel. We, right, we, we we believe in regenerate membership, and so we want people. We've talked about this before on mm-hmm. the, on the podcast, but you yep. know we want people who are in the church uh, universally. Because they've trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Mm -hmm. to be members of the church locally. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's good stuff. It's exciting. So how many how many families did we celebrate uh, coming this last week? Um, so I think three separate families with a total of one, two. Yeah, put me on the spot. I I don't remember. That's all right, man. Three, four. Six different people. Okay, I, I'm just excited. Uh, traditionally speaking, you know, we're we're two years now into uh, you being here, and almost every quarter we've seen new people showing up and joining, and it's it's good. It's it's fun to see. Good things are happening all around. I uh, even even with children's ministry, things are are growing. I'm 
I'm excited to see that. Also, speaking of children's ministry, actually just pivoting, uh, for anybody who is listening who is interested, we are getting ready to host our first Vacation Bible School meeting on February 23rd after the Pacific Way campus. It's just a basic information meeting. We're just going to get... Um, dates out. We're going to get uh, packets out and we're going to start talking about decorations. We are doing something differently this year. Instead of hosting uh, work parties to people to develop or to put together crafts to decorate the church for Vacation Bible School, we're actually going to be giving a list of things people can do at home and to bring it because we we found that there are more and more people who are willing to help but not come at a certain time who would rather just create things on their own time. So if that's you, uh, let me know, and we'll get you hooked up for uh, how to serve at Vacation Bible School, whether it's that week or leading up to it. <coughs> so that's awesome. It's amazing. You mentioned two years. Me here. This this week is my two year uh, mark from the first time I preached at Valley. Is that, it that candidate sermon? Yeah. Okay. That's uh, kind of snuck up on me. It it's coming because it was uh, Easter. It was where your your official start date, right? No, it was um, April Fool's Day. Yeah, well, official start date and official preaching date were a little different, but okay. it was mid, mid mid March is when I officially started. That's right. Um, That's right. I think my first official as a pastor here sermon was uh, was Palm Sunday. It was Palm Sunday that happened to fall on April first. I just remember this because sitting in an elders meeting before you were here, they kept talking about it, and I just kept laughing at the idea that you were starting on April Fools, and I just just wanted to work in a joke. But then I was like, this is a new guy. I need to ease him into how I do things or who I am. Maybe I won't pull a joke. And uh, I, I still hold back a lot, man. I'm just slowly letting out the crazy. Keep holding back. Yeah. <laughs> God has given you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. So walk in the spirit, brother. <laughs> I'm trying. It's so hard. So anyway, Mike, uh, I think I think we're ready to, t- to jump into this week's topic. We have been reading the book, Who Am I? Identity in Christ. Uh, that is available at all of our campuses for uh, a donation fee. Uh, you can also pick up a copy on Amazon. I, I have a digital version of it that I read on my phone or my tablet. But we're reading this together, and we're kind of talking through it. This week, we are looking at chapter, I think it's four. Well, I know the chapter title is, I am an adopted son of God. So, Mike, before we jump into this topic about adoption, do you kind of want to give us a review on the flow of the book so far up until this point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this book is it's answering the question, who am I? And it's starting with the basic uh, reality that I am a creature. I'm created. I'm someone created in the image of God. And so we started there recognizing that that means that we are we are not God. We are his creatures and uh, we are vulnerable and dependent and that dependency, the greatest dependency is in that spiritual need. And so that's where we talk about the gospel. And so those who trust in the gospel, those who have believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus, they are now in Christ. And so that was a few weeks ago. And because we're in Christ, we're starting to flesh out the ramifications. What is What does it mean in, in a from a di- bunch of different angles to be in Christ? And so the first one last week was that, uh, that we're justified. Right. And justification is... Our, our legal standing before God. It's the, the legal aspect of being in Christ. And we had a great conversation about that. And now this week, uh, Jerry Bridges asks the question, who am I? And he answers it by saying, well, I am adopted. And this is more of the relational aspect of being in Christ. Right. So he, he actually points us to a handful of passages of scripture that really are, are helpful for this. Uh, why don't you start by reading? Um, let's just read through a few of these. 
Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 17 is, is one of the ones he mentions that recognizes this relational aspect. All right. So this is Romans 8. It says, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. That's right. Yeah. And, and this is a, this is a great verse because it, it, it lays out this, this heart cry, right? God's spirit is not a spirit of fear. Just like I mentioned a minute ago when I was talking to you about self-discipline, like the, right. the character of the spirit of God that dwells in us because of Christ. It's not one that makes us shrink back in fear and <clears throat> not follow Christ into the difficulty. It's actually one that, that actually strives forward with this heart cry that says, Abba, Father. This recognizes a relational uh, component. We're not just these you know, disciples of God or disciples of Jesus that do whatever he says out of compulsion or out of like this, this fear, but instead we follow Jesus because we know his love and because his love, you know, Romans five, verse five, it's been poured into our hearts by that spirit. And so now when we go to God in prayer, we go to him based on this relationship. Yeah. The Abba Father part is a part that in, in the book he talks about like that relationship with him and it's so crucial. Like there's no other faith that that claims that God is so close and so endearing to our, our hearts, and it's because Christ dwells in us, that God is that he loves us. It has nothing to do with us because we are we are broken, but because we are in Christ, he draws he draws us near and he draws near. And there is something beautiful that we need to recognize. That, but I think we can talk about more about that as as we as we venture into into the book. Um, so you talked about Romans. You also have I see you have Galatians written here. Were yeah. So like Galatians chapter four is another passage that he mentions verses one through seven. Um, I'll, I'll read these ones. He says, in uh, here he's talking about how we are we are heirs, and this is really one of Bridges' main thrusts and, and the point he's trying to make is adoption is about inheritance. And so starting in verse one, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. He is, but he is under the guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. This is a verse we actually talked about this weekend in the message. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, this is Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, here's it again, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, right? And so this is this is a key passage because this passage actually explains the how, like the, the how we become uh, children of God, how we become sons of God, right? And he actually makes a point here, uh, Bridges does it, God's not using the word son to leave out anyone who's 
you know, gender, they're not male. Right. He, he's, he's using the word son because son is this, this term of adoption and the, the word son carries the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're all called sons because we're all in Christ and, and biblical language in the same way, like we're all called the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. This isn't a dig on dudes. This is actually like collectively the church is the bride of Christ. Right. But when we talk about how we become adopted, um, this is the most important part, right? You, you can see that in the passage. Um, why don't you read verse four for us again from that passage? Yeah, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yeah, uh, sorry, and verse 5. Oh, to redeem those who were under the law so that we, we might receive adoption as sons. Yeah, so this how is like this, this fullness of time. So this last weekend we were talking about Esther chapter two and how God was providential in the life of Esther and the life of Mordecai. And we made the connection to how God was providential over all of history. And this verse reminds us that at just the right time in the fullness of time, according to God's timing, according to God's purpose, God sent Jesus to to be born of a woman, right? God in the flesh incarnation to be born under the law. But Jesus, he lived under the law perfectly. He did what you haven't done what I haven't done. Right. He lived a sinless life and he did this for the purpose of what? To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Right. So here's the reality. We were disconnected from God. We're going to see later we were children of wrath. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were under the law, but unlike Jesus, we were not perfect. So as those under the law, well, what happens if you break the law? You're under the punishment of the law. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus was under the promise of the law because he kept it perfectly. And through his death, he he redeemed us. He bought us out of that, that slave relationship with sin. And now, instead of having a slave relationship with sin, we have a, a child to father, a son, actually not even child, a son to father relationship with God the Father. And that's the importance of the idea of the inheritance. And that's, you touched on this. So a hang up as someone is reading through this passage is that they might see that gender specific word son and be upset with that. But the language here is very specific. It speaks of son and you talked about it gets the inheritance because we've been adopted. We are now a part of this family and we will receive an inheritance that of like the firstborn son of any other family of, of that day. So I think we have to be careful that when we're reading a passage like this, that we read in our cultural verbiage. Our, our cultural meanings into what scripture is saying. Because scripture, in this language, she's being very specific from what they meant back then and painting this illustration that because we are now, that we, we, because we were, we were not part of a family, we are a part of a family. But not only are you a part of a family, but you are loved that you will receive an inheritance because you are an adopted son of God. Yeah, and contextually, you go back to verse uh, 28 of chapter 3, what it talks about how there's no longer male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. This is talking about the extent of salvation and the application of salvation. So anyone, regardless of race, right, and there really is only one race, the human race, so regardless of ethnicity, regardless of of gender, regardless of wealth, Mm -hmm. right, regardless of social status, anyone who trusts in Jesus, they are now recipients of of adoption. They are now recipients of salvation through trusting Jesus. So in in that sense, gender and and, uh, ethnicity and social standing, that's not the point. The point is the offer of salvation is given to 
everyone. Right. Now that doesn't mean those things don't matter, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't mean you're no longer a dude and I'm no longer a dude. And right. Like we're just this amorphous kind of like, you know, culture, culturally confused world. Like our world wants to tell us today, th- those things God made us male and female. Th- those are very important. Right. And this passage is just getting to the idea. Like what, what was meant by the son then and the idea of the inheritance is, is applied to us now. And so with the, actually with the idea of inheritance, I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're going to jump on this now, but the idea of the inheritance is the, the eternal hope that we have, that we long for something that's beyond this life. Now, is that, were you going to jump into that now or are you going to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what, what do we inherit, right? We, we think about heaven. We think about streets of gold. We think about, uh, we, we share in the inheritance of Christ, but, but you know, at the end of the day, what we really inheritance is Christ. What, yes. our, our true inheritance, it's it's God Himself, and we think about this. And and what is the point of being adopted into the family of God, and then not longing for that father to child relationship? That that is the entire point. Is at the very end when God is with His people and they are with Him, and, and so this inheritance, this eternal destination, it, it's an inheritance that is relational. It's it's we are forever with our heavenly Father, who who is amazing yeah he's who we want to be near it's uh you know it's kind of like how i hope my kids view me like when i go home man my my kids want to play with me you know asher i don't know if i've told this recently he he just all he wants to do is wrestle right now he's like the the classic five-year-old boy and so i walk through the door and he's like hey dad guess what time it is it's time to wrestle right and he even like for Christmas got like this wrestling singlet. And so oftentimes he'll be wearing this thing. It's actually pretty awesome. It says America on it. That's awesome. It's got an eagle's head. Okay. It's pretty intense. But but you think about that. What does Asher want more than, you know, if I buy him Legos or, you know, get him ice cream or something? He wants you. He wants that father to, to child relationship. And, and so this inheritance, man, is it wealth? Eternal wealth? Yeah. Is it? eternal joy absolutely but all of those are subservient and dependent upon the relationship we are going to have with god almighty forever that is the true inheritance and that's that's the hope i so i i think about uh maturity in faith and how you begin to long for eternity more and more i remember in 2005 i was graduating that year is a great year i graduated from uh from high school and I can't remember if it was 2005 or 2007 that the first Transformers was uh, coming out. And I remember as a kid, I mean, I was at 18, I was an intern within our youth ministry and growing up and all these things. So I, I was a quote unquote leader, but my grasp on certain things about the faith were still really young. So I remember seeing the trailer for Transformers and I remember thinking to myself, please, Lord Jesus, don't come back. Until don't come back until I can see this movie, all right? And like I, I meant it. I meant it as like as an eighteen year old kid, just be like, I know heaven's going to be great and all, but I have to see this before before it all. That's funny. Before it goes away, right? And like, I, and anyway. So then, fast forward. You're not the only one that has thoughts like that, by oh, the way. Yeah. You're not the only one that prays prayers like that. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. all have in different ways. <laughs> It happened when Endgame was announced, and I was like, please, Lord. Anyway, but but what I'm getting Wait, also. That was like a year ago. I know. <laughs> um, in college, my faith grew a lot as I started to study scripture more. And as I started to, as I ventured out into the world, no longer under the protection of my own, uh, my own mother and father, the, life was harder then. 
And I, I had a lot of hopes and a lot of expectations. And I think in your 20s, life just tests your worldview on a lot of things. And as things began to blow up in my face or things would things that I wanted would come, but they were disappointing, as I grew or as I experienced that, I also started to experience how good God was more and more to the point that anytime something would happen negatively to me or to a friend or I had, I had a friend that when we in, in our 20s at, at Corbin, she got sick and then she died of cancer within like a year. It was the craziest thing. But in these moments, I started to long for eternity. I was like, God, this world is broken and it breaks my heart. And I know I'm here for a reason. I want to glorify your name. But I, I long to be with you. And I think that, that, that became like that hope of eternity being with Christ became something more valuable to me because I started to understand its value. And it is something beautiful. Like I, I do cling to this life. I, there are things I'm like, I'm excited about, you know, but. I think as we grow in our faith and we experience how good God is, kind of like how Asher begins to wrestle and enjoy relationship with his own father, you long for that more and more. You start to realize like this world is not for me. I, I'm ready to just to move on. And I think that's something we have to hold on to, that this being adopted into the family of God, that is a hope we didn't have. Something better isn't on the other side of eternity for us until Christ saved us. Yeah. And you know, this adoption is, it's, it's quite the promise of God because, uh, you know, I don't know if you've even known folks that have, um, adopted people, adopted children. I, I've got friends over the years that have adopted children and some of them it's gone really, really easy. And some of them it's been, it's been really, really difficult. And I, I just think about some of these moms and dads with an adopted child that is really, really a challenge, uh, as they get older and, you know, and push against and, and all of the difficulties that come in that. And I have been amazed at watching some of these parents and their commitment to these children, their, their kindness, their love, their, their willingness to do the right thing, the hard thing over and over and over again, and praying with some of these parents and seeing the pain in their hearts and their eyes. And, um, and what a, uh, what a reminder of God's adoption toward us, because oftentimes we, uh, we're those rebellious children you know, we're selfish. We can be so wayward so often. And, uh, and yet God's adoption of us, it is, uh, it's finalized. It's guaranteed. Yeah. It's a promise that he's made in Christ by the work of Christ. And so what joy and what, in, in a sense, what, what sorrow of adoption that we experience on this earth, we recognize the father's heart toward us and the, the commitment he has given toward us. I mean, that, that brings us to the reality that adoption is is God in his in redemption, his promise to to bring us into his family, him actually bringing us into his family, giving us that relationship, and then viewing us as an adult child who's going to receive his inheritance. This is this is a promise of God that, that melts a hard heart, that softens our souls and, and reminds us of this great love, this great salvation that we have. You know, we talk about adoption, and I, I can't help but think about uh, my experience with foster care kids right now as I worked with rural family kids. And even in reading this chapter, I couldn't help but think about the people who get hung up on the idea of fathers and how they it's hard for them to accept God as a father. This chapter is very explicit that our relationship with God is that he's not just some cosmic being out there in the universe 
but he is a loving father who who seeks us, who wants to redeem us, who's cleaning us, who is ever present in our lives. A couple years ago, I was on a mission trip over in uh, eastern Washington, and we were doing just classic door-to-door evangelism. And I, I met this lady, and we were talking about God. And she flat out told me, like, hey, when you refer to God, please don't refer to him as God my father. I have a hard time seeing God as my father. And that was her hang up. And I asked her, why Why is that? She goes, well, my father was a really bad dad. Like, I, I, I get upset. I get thinking when I think about it. And it just it's just a huge turnoff to me. And if that's the kind of father our God is, then that's not – that's – I don't want to think of God like that. And I, I told her then, and I still hold to this now, is that we, we need to be careful. Because I know that sometimes when we think of the word dad, we get hung up on, on things. But we should, not, we should not judge our heavenly father by the shortcomings of our earthly fathers. But really, I think we should, by our heavenly fathers, we can see the shortcomings of our earthly fathers and rejoice that God is a good God. And we, that he, he overcomes those shortcomings of earthly people. And go ahead. Were you going to say something? Oh, you finish and I'll, yeah. I'll take it a step further. I think. Yeah. I, I was just going to say like I see, I see like when I see kids in the foster care program who are in the process of being adopted because they have had such bad experiences with adults in the past. They, what they do is they test the relationship. They push back on it all. And they act out. Sometimes they act out because they, they are just hard, I guess. But oftentimes it's because they, they just have trust issues and they're hurt. And I get that they're hurt. But what's amazing is that after a while, they begin to understand that whoever it is that that's adopting them or loving them or walking with them now isn't the same person who had us abandoned them in the past. So these people are present, they're here and they're, they're loving. And eventually they can let the guard, their guards down and experience love. And I think that's something that we need to hold on to is that at times that God is our heavenly father who pursues us. And maybe you haven't experienced love at that extent before, but God will continue to pursue us so that we can see how good he is. And we, we need to not hold on to the past, but allow God to be God and who he is. Yeah. And that's what I launched from is, is, you know, when we've got to be careful as well, because, uh, and I think we can passionately talk to someone in that moment, but at the end, that person, they're trying to define God in a way that is not aligned with God's character. You know, God has chosen to reveal himself as a father. Yes. He is the one that uses that language. And, and it's really important to remember that he uses that language, not just because he, he wasn't sure what else to use, but, but he, intentionally. Right. right. I think about, um, this is in our notes, but Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse 14, Paul writes, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father, a pater, right? That's Greek word father. Mm-hmm. He says from whom every family, and this is actually patria. This is the same root word. He's actually saying from whom every fatherhood in heaven and on earth is named. You know, when God, the father looks at the family, he sees it under the umbrella of a father. Yes. That's that's his design is for a father to be ideally matching the character of the heavenly father. Now we recognize fathers don't, mm-hmm. but but the reason is because a father is meant to be someone who is who is generous and faithful and loving and who disciplines well, who disciplines for the benefit of a child, not for the the angrily emotion uh, emotional release of themselves. This is how God reveals himself as this benevolent, good father. 
I mean, one of the songs we sing is good, good father, right? Right. And, and the connection we make is God's a good, good father and we are loved by him. That's a, a powerful connection to recognize that he's not a sometimes good father. He's not a good, bad father. He's, he's always good. And in that goodness, he has shown us his love specifically in Christ. Yes. Um, that's, man, that's uh, getting me excited. It is. So coming back to the idea of adoption and just God being our father, like I think from an applicant, uh, an application standpoint, we just have to remember like this life is not it that there are greater things on the other side of death. That's just the beginning. Um, and that's, that's our hope and that's in our inheritance. I think a lot of the life that we are, a lot of our sanctification on this side of eternity is just training us to long for God's unimpeded presence. Yeah. And that, that is a blessing. He makes a point about this when he's talking about his uh, vacations that he's looked for. Yes. Yeah, to. Yeah. He says all of them have had, I think he's like some blight or something like that. Like something that, that, uh, that kind of put a little bit of a cloud over it. That actually really made me think about my life uh, deeply. Like, what am I looking forward to? Am I really counting on this inheritance? It's so easy to be distracted by the things of this earth. And, right. and there's so many things of this earth to be distracted by. And yet, none of them compare to the inheritance, the glory that awaits us. This, this inheritance because we are heirs, because we've been adopted. Oh. Bridges actually concludes, he, he says this, he says, I am adopted, a, an adopted son of God. I'm a child of the king. I have the privilege in this life of an intimate father-child relationship with him. And I look forward with expectant hope to an eternal inheritance that is far more glorious than anything I can imagine. Now, that's how he concludes. Um, and I think I'd want to conclude by just drawing out what that means for our listener right now, yeah. what that means for us right now. And, uh, and I'd say this lands kind of in, at least for me, these, these four ideas. Um, the first is recognizing that you were not in God's family and now you are. I mean, that, this is like the understatement of, of the eternity, right? Like you and I, when we were without Christ, Ephesians two says we were children of wrath, right? right? But now we are adopted, we are his children, his sons. We receive an inheritance. I mean, this is this is uh, just the contrast is meant to be stark and striking. I was a child of wrath, rebelling against mm-hmm. God, and now I'm his son. <clears throat> so, the, the, you know what this does for me? This draws me away from my uh, wayward heart. When, when I stop and I pause and I think about the ways that this world would still want to lure me away, uh, and, and the subtle ways, even the selfishness, the, the pride that that's not of my heavenly father that, that draws me to act like a son. Right. Uh, the other thing I'd say is, is you are no longer under the law as your basis for relationship with the father. So this is another idea, not, a, uh, an elaboration more of, yeah, this would be the yeah, second, like yeah. if, if we're going to apply this, the first is to recognize, man, we have switched kingdoms. We have switched families. The second is to recognize my relationship with God is no longer based on my obedience to the law. Mm-hmm. It's a based on Christ's obedience and my adoption. Yeah, that goes back to the idea of justification, yep. right? We're not trying to impress God with our own righteousness because we have no no righteousness. Yep. Um, and the third, uh, second to the last is, is Jesus's identity and work are the basis for adoption. 
right? And so we, we, we got to continue to remember this. This is not because, you know what, I, I did a little bit better than someone else or I changed my ways. This is all the work of Christ. Um, and then the one we end with is our adoption means an eternal inheritance, like forever with God, enjoying him as his, his child. Yes. You know, you're talking about what this does for you. And for me, like, like you, this draws me away from my wayward heart because I, because I was not part of God's family. And now that I am, it's a, it's a blessing. It's an honor. It's, it's amazing. And I want to represent well, you know, I, I, I think about if God is my father and I bring glory to his name, I want to make sure I'm representing him because I'm his. And so I want to make sure I'm, I'm repping well, but also on the other side of being part of family, it lets me know like I'm not alone in this, that there is a, there is a, the cosmic being of the universe pursues my heart to be with me because of what Christ has done for me, because I am created to, to bring him glory. And on the days when life is just terrible, I guess that is something to hold on to, you know, and it's not that. That, that because life is terrible, God doesn't love me. No, it's because because God loves me, I have hope on the other side of eternity that I can look forward to because this life is not it. Yeah, you know, one last application, this wasn't on my list, but this this idea that because we're God's children, that means we have siblings. Yeah. Like this is, this is why the church is so valuable. I mean, this is one of the many reasons, right? But mm-hmm. this, is, this is why we serve in ministry, right? We can do a hundred other things with our lives, um, but we serve in ministry because we, we have a family, a church family that cares for each other all in the name of, of Christ under the, under the, the fatherhood yeah. of this good father. And so when we are feeling alone, when, when life is overwhelming, when things are difficult, man, we are not alone. Yes, we have God the Father, but you know how he displays his goodness and his care through each other. That's a good thing. That's right. I think that's I think we've come to the end here, Mike. Uh, I think this again all these all these chapters are good because there's so many powerful implications of what's of what these truths are are alluding to and what they're actually explicitly telling us. So, Mike, would you pray for our listeners? Yeah, well, let's yeah. pray. And, and next week, we're going to talk about chapter five, which is I'm a new creation. And so we right. see these just, it's like blessing upon blessing. It just keeps getting better. But but let's pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a glorious thing to call you. Lord, you are our Father in heaven who at just the right time sent your son, Jesus, to redeem us so that we could be adopted as sons so that we could be included in your family, that our, our relationship with you is no longer based on uh, an attempt at obedience, but instead it's based on Jesus and his obedience. Because our life is hidden in Christ now, we, we are viewed completely differently by you. And Lord, we know we have this inheritance that awaits us for all eternity. And we look forward to, to eternity in this inheritance, which is really an inheritance that is you knowing the one that created us to walk with you, to to know you, to be with you forever. And God, I pray that this truth would uh, not just move uh, Andrew and my wayward hearts away from uh, our allegiance to things of this world and, and from being distracted by things of this world, but Lord, I pray it would move every listener right now, deeply in their heart and in their mind, in their affections toward knowing you as their good father, toward loving you as they are loved by you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.